Hello and welcome to the MB Om podcast, where you will learn to master the business of yoga with guests from around the world who have experienced becoming successful yoga teachers, studio owners, and much more. Now, here's your host, Amanda Kingsmith. Hello and welcome to another episode of the MBM podcast. My name's Amanda and I'll be your host for this and all episodes of the podcast. I'm so excited that you've decided to tune in to today's episode of the podcast. If you're brand new to the show, welcome aboard. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. I am so excited for today's guest of the show. But before we dive in, just a couple of quick announcements. The response on last week's episode about getting a thousand email subscribers with Nate Guadani has been really, really great. Nate offered a special offering package and it's in Yoga Business Badasses, which is on Facebook. I've heard from a couple of you said, well, what do we do if we're not on Facebook? So of course you can still get access to that. Just send me an email at info at mbomyoga.com and I'll send you the link for that. If you're like, I don't know what she's talking about, head on back to last week's episode. It's jam-packed with information or join Yoga Business Badasses on Facebook and you can get all the information. The second thing that I wanted to let you guys know is that there's a brand new offering for Yoga Business Bootcamp. For those of you who don't know, Yoga Business Bootcamp is my signature program. It's a 12-module course. It's designed to take you from creating intentions for your business through goal setting, building websites, creating additional offerings to increase your income and revenue streams. It helps you work through selling yourself in an authentic way, how to manifest goals and dreams, and so much more. I recognize that not everyone can afford Yoga Business Bootcamp at this point, but we do have an offering that's only $24. It's the Yoga Teacher Toolbox, and it's all the resources in Yoga Business Bootcamp. So you don't get the videos or anything like that, but you can get all of the downloads. So the workbooks, the checklists, and all of the activities. So if you want to check that out, it's yogabusinessbootcamp.teachable.com or mbomyoga.com forward slash yoga business bootcamp. Final thing that I want to touch on before we get right into this is that many of you have been asking how you can support the podcast. And I really, really appreciate that. The community we've created around this is really incredible. So there's a couple of ways that you can support MBOM. One is subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. That's super helpful so that more yoga teachers can find MBOM and know that it's something that you guys really like. So if you send an email, it's amazing because I get to read it and interact with you. But leaving a review is equally as, as amazing because other people get to read it and it really helps me get discovered. And then other ways that you can support the show are to book one-on-one sessions with me. You can book those over at mbmyoga.com. You can also support the podcast by just giving a small donation at mbmyoga.com forward slash support. Of course, it's not necessary, but it's always really, really appreciated. And of course, by interacting with the the sponsors for the show. So without further ado, I'm going to give a little shout out to today's sponsor, which is Fave Yogis. If you've been listening for a while, you've heard of Fave Yogis before. If you haven't downloaded and you want to support MBOM, head on over and download Fave Yogis completely for free and give it a try. It's a really awesome app. So for those of you who don't know about it, it's a business tool that's really changing the lives of yoga teachers. The Fave Yogis app puts control and freedom in your hands. You can update your class schedule, offer your own classes anywhere, anytime, and get paid all from your phone. No more updating your schedule in multiple places and paying a ton of money each month for a software platform where students might stop across your classes. Students simply open Fave Yogis and your schedule will be there. On top of being able to send students notifications about class updates, set prices and ticket availability, and auto send reminders to your students, you can also post workshops and events that will allow you to reach organic traffic through the search feature that you may never have been able to reach through simply putting the events on your website. So head on over to that app store, download Fave Yogis for free. It's F-A-V-Y-O-G-I-S. Use code M B. O-M-M-B-O-M and let them know that I sent you. 
All right, on to today's guest for today's podcast episode. I'm so excited to be talking with Paloma Newman from Rock Your Yoga Retreat. Paloma and I have had the chance to work together, interact in each other's groups. We have an accountability group where we get to work closely together, and it's been so amazing getting to know her. She is seriously full of so much knowledge, and she shares a lot of it on this episode. So we talk about the business of yoga in general, why you should invest in yourself, why you should believe in your business, and we also dive in to how to create successful retreats. So without further ado, here is Paloma. I'm super excited to be joined on the podcast today by Paloma Newman from Rock Your Yoga Retreat. Paloma, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me and hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today and diving into a little bit about retreats. But uh, before we get into that, can you tell me a little bit about how you first got into the yoga industry and started working with people on retreats? Sure. I'm going to go a little bit further back and just tell you how I got into yoga because I feel like that story is always so relevant for all of us yogis. So I found yoga, I think it was 2007, at the end of 2007, and I was I just moved to San Diego and from Sweden and uh, married just not long ago and had a, um, a very young child. And so I moved to a new country, a new community and was really feeling really um, lonely. And so I was looking, I've always been so active. I've always loved doing, you know, things, being outdoors, exercising, um, you know, just one of those people that needs to move. And I was doing a lot of Pilates before I got into yoga. I was doing, I think it was like 10 years of Pilates and loved loved just to move that way very mindfully very um intentionally and so um it's so funny because i was i was going to pilates but i was looking for something more um i had this calling inside of me you know just like feeling like i need something more this is not enough anymore being a, a mother for the first time and just needing something more spiritual more um connecting something that would help me connect more Mm-hmm. And so I've heard of yoga, of course, you know, it's everywhere. But I was driving down the street with my husband and my son in the back. And I remember seeing a little cute yoga studio a half a block from or it's actually more than a half a block. It's two blocks from the beach. And I told him to stop. And I said, I need to go check it out. So he stopped the car abruptly. Um, and I got out and just peeked my head into the studio and fell in love immediately. It was crazy. It was like, you know just immediately. And I think they were doing, I don't remember what they were doing. They were doing a forward fold or something. And I was just like, I need this. The next day I signed up for yoga and never, ever stopped practicing. It was that, that, um, instant love. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's my like story with yoga. And so after many years of practicing, I started, um, I felt like I really wanted to be involved in the community, and I and I was. I was working with yoga teachers through Lululemon. I was working with Lululemon, being the community ambassador there. So I was um, really my job was go go to yoga classes and meet um, really influential yoga teachers in the community and connect with them and and see. You know, I was in charge of the ambassador program. So those pictures you see up in Lululemon, where you know they highlight the teachers, mm-hmm. in charge of that program. And it was really good because I got to meet amazing people and got to really connect with a lot of people in the community. And um, yeah, so after working there, I decided to, um, I was managing a yoga studio and I decided that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to start my own, but I knew I had to do a lot of soul searching. I knew it wasn't teaching yoga. I really was so clear on that from the very beginning. And I didn't want to make, I think part of it was that I didn't want to make yoga my job Mm -hmm. because I loved it so much that I didn't want to make that my job, but I wanted to work with the yoga community, with teachers. I wanted to help spread this practice, help, help other people find this practice. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, why did you not want to, like you said, you didn't want to go into teaching or make it, you know, this thing that you were doing for your job. Um, Was it because you'd seen yoga teachers kind of like burnt out or maybe like disenchanted with it? Or or what was kind of the mindset around that? I think I I felt inside that I could help teachers in a different way. I Mm -hmm. felt like my calling was, there is a different way I can support this community and not be a teacher, you know, and, and I, 
I felt I really at that point really felt that the yoga teacher community needed more help, but not just with another teacher, but really needed outside help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have uh, I have a law background, and I'm, I've always been very practical and love learning and growing. And I love the idea of starting my own business. So I knew that um, I knew that I had those two pieces together. I knew that I wanted to start my own business. I knew that I wanted to work for myself. But I also knew that I wanted to work within the yoga community. So I had to kind of put those pieces pieces of the puzzle together. And I remember actually sitting, journaling um, at home. And I remembered that I, you know, this epiphany came to me. Like, I love travel, too. And I haven't traveled a lot because I had, at, th- at that point, I had a uh, four-year-old, five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I was really missing traveling. As uh, growing up, I traveled a lot. My mom, um, she was, she worked with a nonprofit, so we moved a lot. We lived in Nicaragua and Bolivia and Sweden, um, and also get to travel all over the world. Like that was how we kind of that was our mo as a family. So I missed that a lot, and I decided right there and then that I was going to put all the three things together. I was going to start my business. I wanted to have it be yoga and travel. And that's how I started. So I started planning. I started my first business called My Dharma Yoga, and I started planning retreats. And so what I did was um, I partner with yoga teachers in my community that I already knew and loved, that I you know knew could do an amazing job, but just needed some help with the organizing. And I put those retreats together, and it was amazing. We went to Costa Rica. We did local retreats, Mexico. And that's how I started with retreats. And fast forward a few years, um, I was partnering with a very um, well-known yoga teacher in our community, Renee Gauthier, and just loved working with her. We did um, several, not only retreats, but we did also events, um, local events, and just we did a we did such a good job together. We were complementary, and that's I think what's the most important part when you work with someone to know that the other person really complements your skills. Mm-hmm. So what we did was, um, I re- you know, I had this idea that a lot of teachers were coming up to us asking us about retreats, just asking us, you know, questions. How do you plan a retreat? Um, what do you need in order to like put a retreat out? Um, you know, just feedback, picking our brains. And um, the idea came to us um, that we needed to help teachers plan retreats. So that's how Rock Your Yoga Retreat was, was born. We had the idea of like, let's put a, a training together where we can actually, instead of having all these you know, helping people here and there sporadically, let's put this into a training because it is a step-by-step process that's very clear and let's help more people. Let's help more teachers. So we did that and it took us a long time to put together the training. We really started from scratch. There was nothing out there at all to reference this. So we really created a training from scratch, the modules, just the idea behind it. And it obviously it was based on experience and everything we have done and all the learning lessons and growth we've done. Um, you know, she had planned a lot of retreats before as well. So we were both putting a lot of um, information into this training and it was amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's really how cool. we got started. Yeah. Awesome. And so at this point, was this like an in-person training that you were running or like an online training or what did that sort of look like? So we decided um, that we wanted to do an online training because we've been learning a lot about business. So in order to put this training together, uh, we both said, okay, we need to learn how to really put a business together, especially an online business. So we signed up for really um, good online trainings, Mary Forleo's online training and Amy Porterfield and David Seidman Garland. So we really invested um, a lot up front so that we could learn how to do this and how to um, use these marketing strategies, not only for us, but to teach that to our um, you know, students. And so we decided to make it an online training. We really thought that that was the best way to reach more people. It was such a great way to learn. You could really access the material at any time. And I think yoga teachers are not as prone to want to learn online. And we really wanted to encourage that. Mm-hmm. But we also were doing coaching on the side. So we were helping people getting live feedback from them of like, where are you struggling? What's, um, you know, what, what are the points of pain points when you're planning a retreat? And so we were incorporating that into our training. We had a beta testing group as well. And so, yeah, we did. We really followed the book in many ways. 
um, and also broke the rules a lot. But we followed the book in many ways um, as far as how to launch an online program. Um, so the, the, that's the online program that I have now. It's called the Retreat Design Map, and it's actually going into um, a 2.0 version. I'm redoing the training um, and incorporating even more stuff um, and simplifying as well, because I think that's important. I think in the first version of it, we we jam-packed it, basically, yeah. with the information. But I also know that it's important to be to simplify and go straight to the point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And before we dive into, you know, more on what you actually teach and, you know, talking a little bit about that, uh, you touched on something that I think is really important is this, like, you know, investing in yourself to learn something. Can you talk about some of the benefits you think you got from, you know, starting with like investing in Amy Porterfield and Marie Forleo and those other, you know, really great courses to help you learn how to build this? Yeah, Amanda, this is such a big, <laughs> I think, an important point to um, bring bring about like in the yoga community. And I think um, yoga teachers that I know and yoga teachers that I meet and I have a huge online community as well are really prone to want to invest in doing um, teacher trainings and learning more about, you know, philosophy and asana and different types of yoga um, styles and different types of um, just different types of like everything that you can learn within yoga, right? Teaching the practice. Mm -hmm. But I, I see a lack in teachers wanting to, I'm not a lack, but I see that there's not a lot of encouragement to invest in the other side of your business or the other side of your teaching, which is the business side. And for me, I see this as a simple yin and yang type of thing. So you have to invest in becoming a better teacher. I've seen teachers that I take classes with that have invested in, for example, Jason Crandall's training and have become amazing at teaching, like just overnight almost. Mm -hmm. Of course, the, the benefits are huge of investing in and becoming a better teacher. But if you don't pair that up with investing in becoming a better business owner, you're not going to reach the people that need you. You're not going to be able to um, you're not going to be able to build a business that's sustainable to you, which is the most important thing, because we cannot give from a place of lack of suffering, of struggling, which is what I see a lot of teachers do. So for me, making the decision to invest in business trainings and in marketing and all these things, how to put a course together. It was important because I knew that was the foundation I needed to, to then grow my business. And it has proven to be right. If I wouldn't have taken any of those trainings, I wouldn't, I would still be battling, like, how do I do this? And how do I do that? Or, you know, you may not even know what to do because you don't know what you don't know type of thing. So when you go through an online training or a business training or whatever training, or even hire a coach, it gives you like it opens up this whole different world that you were totally oblivious to. That's how I see it. And so it's I think it's crucial that yoga teachers all over the world start opening themselves up to the idea of like, how can I not only become a better teacher, but how can I become a better business owner so that I can embrace the side of yoga, which is important because we live in a world where we have to pay the bills and we have to, um, you know, just there's responsibilities with our families, with ourselves. Um, and embracing that only means that we can become better teachers, that we can spread yoga in a more effective way and reach those people that are yet to be, um, you know, to, to get to know yoga and to get to practice yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything that you said. I think that, you know, there definitely is a benefit in paying for a good teacher training program. And it's it's interesting that you said Jason Crandall, as I was thinking about one of my really good teacher friends who just did her teacher training, her 300 hour with Jason Crandall. And like, you know, I used to practice with her a lot. And then I went back to Atlanta where she teaches this past summer. And I was like, damn, like your teaching is honed <laughs> in like, okay. like, you know, this training has already paid itself off just in a couple of small ways. Um, but but I think that it, you're right. It's also important to invest in other areas. It, it should be the same mindset around like, you know, okay, I'm going to invest in a great training to be a great teacher. So what am I going to invest in to be a great salesperson and a great marketer and a great business person? Because that's what that's what you are, what you should be as a yoga teacher is, you know, an entrepreneur. And you know what, I think that it's an opportunity for us yogis. And it's what we have done, right? To bring in yoga to the business world to to bring yoga and make the business world more yogi 
to bring in all these aspects of yoga that are so important to us and make this world a better place. Because when we, um, because yogis that go into learning how to create their own business and in a sustainable way, they will bring in the values of yoga. That's just, it's a given. You're going to, you're going to use marketing in a different way. You're not going to want to be salesy or pushy. You're going to be authentic. You want to genuinely connect with people. That's the important thing. I think we have more potential to really create businesses that are authentic, that are strong, that are honest. They can, that really, truly want to help their communities. Um, so I feel like it's, it's a perfect pairing and a lot of, um, People in the community, in the yoga teacher community in general, I'm generalizing here, is, are afraid to bring these two things together, business and yoga, because mm-hmm. they feel like one will corrupt the other, right? And we know, we, I've heard this argument so many times, and I really truly disagree with it, because it depends on how you do it. Business in itself is not a bad thing. It's a way, it's a system. It's literally just a tool of how to like create anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's creative, just using that word, it's, it's something that can allow us to be creative in our in our lives and create something that we want. So just going back to the thought of like, you want to start a business to be able to have the freedom to to truly live a life that you are proud of that you're passionate about. Yeah, so I really feel like that's the that's the case when it comes to bringing in business in the yoga community and, and um, making it even better, you know, Yeah, yeah. I really love what you said about, you know, bringing yoga into business. One of the things that I struggle with the most when I'm talking to yoga teachers is exactly what you're saying is that they have this idea that, you know, business is maybe gross or icky, or it's not done in a nice way, or, you know, it's just not something that they want to bring into this practice. It's really sacred and spiritual to them. But I love the idea of taking everything that you learn on your mat and applying it into your business. And, you know, if everyone in the yoga world brought more yoga principles, into business and added business principles into yoga, I think we could come to a really great place where we approach business from a very, you know, yogic sort of perspective where, you know, we're not, you know, screwing people over, we're being very honest, we're being transparent, we're doing business in a way that feels good for us. And I absolutely think that you can do that for sure. Absolutely. Again, it's a tool. You make that tool what you want. You don't need to use any strategies or tactics or pressure tactics or anything that you don't think are right. And I think most of us as yogis, because we do practices off the mat, won't do that. Mm-hmm. Instead, we'll, we will create businesses that are aligned with who we are, with, aligned with the community. And at the end of the day, having a business strategy in your yoga career doesn't really affect any of your teaching whatsoever. It does not corrupt your asana practice or the spiritual practice whatsoever. You still have that intact, mm-hmm. right? How, how I don't see how that would affect anything more than, um, I think it's also a mindset thing at the end of the day, because we're feeling, we feel we don't want to be perceived a certain way. We don't want to pre- be perceived like, oh, all of a sudden this very spiritual person is using marketing strategies online. So it's, it's a lot of, of, about perception and really being afraid of how other people will see us as yogis, as yoga teachers. And I think that's what holds back a lot of yoga teachers. But I think we have to, as a community, not only as individual teachers, cross that path together and say, no, we're going to create businesses um, and we're going to reach more people and we're going to really do this in an aligned way that feels good to all of us. It feels good to us personally, individually as well. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we, that we support each other in that endeavor, that we're not putting people down for wanting to maybe do some more social media marketing or trying to reach more people online. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I have a, a module in um, my my course called Yoga Business Bootcamp that's on selling yourself. And one of the mm-hmm. first things I touch on it is that you know let's reframe sales so it's not like what we think of as like icky car salesmen. Like we're not trying to you know upsell a leather seat or like a. a like a rooftop window or whatever, a sunroof. Like we're not trying to upsell those things. It's like we can sell the programs that we offer and the workshops we offer and the retreats that we offer in a way that's not like, you know, do you want the leather seats? You want those? You want to pay more for that? Like it can be in a more authentic way and come from, you know, it can come from the heart and come from a place of love and care and everything that we believe in yoga. Yeah, we can still, you know, fill these programs and make a sustainable income. Yeah, we choose to just use the strategies that we think will work best and we can modify any of those strategies. Um, And I think 
for the first time, uh, yoga teachers and many other people in other industries have at their fingertips the ability to do this, to learn all these different strategies in business and to incorporate them the way they want to, right? We have this world online um, that has so many different teachers, um, business leaders that are sharing a lot of value, not only um, paid value, but for free. And it's a, it's a good opportunity and an easy opportunity to take that in and open your mind to it and really start getting comfortable. It's a process to get comfortable with it. I know that it won't happen overnight, but the more you do it, the more you step in and embrace that role, I feel like the more strong and supported you'll feel and you'll be able to do it. And I think that when um, I remember having this conversation so many times with so many other people, but also in the beginning, um, when I was planning retreats, I started really seeing that there was this mindset of I can't do business stuff or I don't know how to do it. Thus, I'm just going to stay away from it with yoga teachers. And that's really how I started to understand that I needed to work in the community in a different way, supporting teachers and feeling more comfortable with the business aspect of yoga. And I also understood that um, in the in, in our, my current business, Rock Your Yoga Retreat, as I was helping your teachers put the retreats out and like understanding the entire process, I saw that the other parts in their business businesses were were suffering. So putting up any other offers or being strategic, not having maybe an email list or a database where they could reach out to people. And I started seeing that no, this is this is bigger than just retreats. Mm-hmm. I need to really help people because or yoga teachers specifically with this because if you can plan the best retreat in the world, but if you don't have these, this foundation laid out, laid down, you're going to suffer. You're not going to fill up your retreat. You're not going to fill up any offers and you're not going to reach the people that truly, truly need it. At the end of the day, that it, that's the motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Can you dive into that a little bit more and talk about, you know, what this foundation kind of looks like before you start with your offerings like retreats? Sure. In general? Yeah, yeah. I think the, uh, one of the things that, um, well, there's there's so many different things that you should consider, and you can do this in a very simple way. For me, it's starting first with your why. Um, it's it's always been the way I teach, and in retreats, we actually have a whole module called, in the retreat design map, my online training, we have a whole module called the why. <laughs> and it's a, a full-on hour of exploration of understanding, okay, what is my why? What's my purpose? right with the retreats why do i want to lead retreats what type of retreats do i want to lead you start with yourself and kind of exploring that and then the other side of that coin is your students right who are your students so who do you most want to serve and this will look very different this exploration um will look very different depending on where you are in your teaching career so let's say that you're a beginner teacher um you may not be able to Uh, identify immediately who your ideal student is. And that means you're going to explore and um, dip your toes in different things, right? And and, But really in a mindful and intentional way, trying to figure out, okay, who do I want to work with? Who can I best serve? What skills um, do I have? What history do I have? What's my yoga story that I can, that I can connect with others? They can help me connect with others. So those are the two really important foundational pieces in the beginning, right? That that you, you want to try to be as clear as you can. Now, these things change. So nothing is stagnant. It's dynamic, like life, right? We will ch- Our why will change. Um, our purpose will change. Our mission will change. Our st- ideal students will also change. And we may incorporate several types of ideal students. Um, but it's important that we are intentional with how that happens. And that um, what, what you can do, for example, in a business training, like your b- business training or the retreat design map, is to have the accountability to sit down and do this work. Because when you're on your own, you don't know how to do it. That's what happened to me. And so I had to have that accountability and the lessons and the teachings of other people to to sit down and really figure this out and have the workbooks and all that I needed to really get clear on this. So those are the two things that I think are super important in the beginning. And if anything, um, start there. If you don't know what to do right now, start getting clear on your why and who your ideal students are and, and journaling and doing all the things that you can. As far as that, you can also research online how to do this. There's several ways. Um, I think, you know, you and I, Amanda, teach this in our courses, but there's different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want to be clear after you have that, you want to be clear on how you want to serve those people. So 
what is your yoga business, your yoga career going to look like? Is it going to be just teaching studio classes? Or are you going to expand to doing other things? What type of offers do you have out there? And this goes really, this goes um, hand in hand with figuring out your profit clarity. And this is this is money, right? We want to talk about this as well. This is such an important conversation. And so your offer clarity, which is what I call in my yoga business mentorship program, it's, it's called your offer clarity and your profit clarity, and they go hand in hand. And so you want to figure out, okay, what offers do I have? What do I want to offer? What do I want to put out? How do I want to serve people? Is it going to be one-on-one, groups, privates, retreats? What do I feel called to do? And how is that then looking at the numbers? How is that going to help me build a sustainable yoga career? Right. And, and those two go hand in hand. So your profit clarity and your offer clarity. Mm-hmm. So those four things for me are the foundation. Now, when you have all those four things in place, you want to go into figuring out, OK, how do I communicate with people? Because at the end of the day, you can sit behind the computer trying to get clear and, you know, get clear on all these foundational pieces. But your business is to connect with others. Right. Especially as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So. How do I communicate with people? How do I stay in touch with them? Do I have an email list? Do I have a Facebook community? Do I have a local community? What's who's who are those people that are part of my tribe? And and like what how do I continue to communicate and nurture that relationship so that when I have a retreat up, people are ready to to join my retreat because I've been really, you know, um, cultivating that relationship. Yeah. So those are the four. So we have the four foundational pieces. And then I like to bring in marketing as the way to like the final piece of the puzzle that we need to get clear on. So how do you want to communicate and stay in touch and nurture your tribe mm-hmm. and grow your tribe? Yeah, I love all of that. That makes so much sense. And I think that, you know, it, it kind of makes me think about like, as if you're building a house. And if you just kind of, you know, start throwing together some some materials your house is going to be really shaky and Mm. you know it'll probably serve its purpose of providing shelter for you but it's not going to be super stable or sustainable in the long term and I think that that's one of the things that seems to be missing for a lot of a lot of yoga teachers and I think it's you know we're not taught this in teacher trainings like in a two-hour teacher training we're not taught like you know these are the foundational pieces to build your business you're taught the things Mm. that you need in the studio space to actually do the class, which of course is very, very important. Um, Absolutely. You need those pieces as well. But having that foundation allows you to build this like really stable, you know, house, you could say, and then you have that in the long term. So then if you decide to change your offerings or change your communication, it's like, you know how to do that already. You've got that already in place. Yeah, it's like anything else in life. If you put in the the work up front, you're going to reap the benefits later. You're going to really see that growth and and those opportunities opening up. But if you're scrambling and overwhelmed and stressed and not not really wanting to invest in your business side of yoga, right, you're going to see that too, Mm -hmm. like down the line. And I think that that's why many of us, like you and I, Amanda, have gone into the community to help yoga teachers with this because we've seen that in yoga teacher trainings right and you've gone through a yoga teacher training and I've been part of many um, we've seen that the business training is not enough to what the reality is outside of outside of those walls of the studio right we know what what happens when teachers graduate from teacher training and what they face out in the real world and that is what we have come into the picture to say okay we need a little bit more of this and we need to do it in a way that that feels good to to you know the the yoga teacher community and we need to we're yogis so we're going into it from the yoga perspective right yeah yeah definitely um i think that that's a great point and i i mean it's like you know 200 hours is just it's really not enough time to cover even everything you need to know about the body and the mind and the philosophical side of yoga it's it's really just skimming the surface in so many ways but I definitely feel like the business side is lacking in a lot of ways in most teacher trainings and I think that part of it comes from you know like I remember in my in my teacher training program my 200 hour it's like sitting there and feeling like okay I don't really feel like this is enough to get me started but I also don't know what questions to ask because I've never done this before and I feel like that's part of it is that you're sitting there being like okay you know they're telling me these things but I don't know what else to ask because I don't know what this business is going to look like or what this industry is going to be like or what it's going to be like when I actually dive in as a full-time yoga teacher exactly knowing those points and struggles that are you may face 
is so important to to go out there prepared and know, okay, if I don't do these things, I may actually suffer this way. And so many teachers probably give up right away or like in the span of a year because they just don't know what's happening. They don't understand why they're teaching 20 hours a week and yet they're not being able to make a living out of their, their passion. The thing that they were promised. So I think it's really important that they that we have that clarity from the very beginning and and that clarity. Yeah, sure. We can't get it all into a 200 hour teacher training. That's that's why I think it's really important for yoga studios and yoga teacher trainings to communicate to teachers that this is not enough. Mm-hmm. You need to seek for that help when you get out so that you also have that balance, the yin, the yang with teaching, knowing how to teach yoga, but also knowing how to put your business up and, and create that sustainability for yourself. And I think that's that's important, right? And and another thing that I think is really interesting is that um, many teacher trainings bring in experts from you know different fields like anatomy and philosophy and meditation. And I think that's great because you're you as a um, you know um, yoga teacher training lead cannot teach all these things in the most effective way. And I would love to see, and I'm putting this out. Uh, more yoga teacher trainings bringing in business experts as well um, within the yoga community mm-hmm. because I think and we are part of a teacher training that's coming up um, online where um, that teacher training um, is actually bringing in experts from outside which I think is great when it comes to business and and marketing yeah yeah 100% and I think it's like you know even if you don't know those questions to ask right away you know, it's like if you can get your questions answered before you even have them, like that's that's massive. It's like if you can go into the world being like, oh, you know, I would have wondered this, except, you know, now I've got the tools that I need to do this. Um, that's super, super advantageous for being able to like kickstart your career right away. Yeah. And I think the landscape has changed, too. And that's why maybe um, a lot of teacher trainings are not catching up to it right away. But I think it's changing. I see that there is some change here. Um, but I feel like um, just two, three years ago, teacher trainings didn't need to have all this business training. Things were a bit different. I think that the yoga community and the teaching opportunities are changing really fast, faster than we can actually get a grasp of it. And um, because we have so many new teachers out, um, this is really affecting the way um, teachers, you know, teacher opportunity, how, how teachers get a job, how teachers, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's less demand of teachers and there's more teachers out there. So basically, it's important that you know how to put yourself out there, how to do this in a way that feels really good, but also in a way that feels, in a way that is not only in a business way, but also in a way where you feel confident as a teacher. So I feel like the confidence as a teacher goes into also being a confident business owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you touched on something really important there with how the how the industry is changing a lot. I've done I mean, like 100 interviews for the podcast pretty much. And um, one of the my favorite yoga teachers in the world who I've also worked as a studio manager for his studio for three years, his yoga story is so different from mine, like 15 years ago, or I guess Mm -hmm. maybe 17 years ago. Now, he was asked to do a teacher training and then asked to teach after and I'm just like man what a like time to be a yoga teacher <laughs> that sounds so awesome like nobody was like hey come do my teacher training and then come teach for me um you know it's very much not like that anymore in most places in the world I think and and I think that that's why like you know if you were being asked for jobs it's like why teach like the marketing side of things when you don't really need to even know that to get teacher jobs whereas like now the industry is so saturated that we really need to know how to you know find our ideal clients our ideal students set ourselves apart how to build a website how to be online how to you know market ourselves online and offline like we need to know these skills in order to stand out and survive in the industry Absolutely. And another really important thing is to not put all your eggs in one basket as a teacher, Mm -hmm. which wasn't the case 15 years ago. You could teach um, under a studio, under a guru, under a mentor, and you'd be fine. You'd be taken care of, whereas now that's not the case. And so what you have to do is cultivate different income income streams and income opportunities, right? As a teacher, one thing will probably not be enough to pay the bills. That's simple, right? And so um, unless you are getting paid amazingly well by a yoga studio and you're, you know, teaching enough classes where you can um, make your monthly, uh, what's called your, at least your minimum viable income, right? And you can pay your bills and you're happy, then 
you are going to have to look at different opportunities and different offerings for your yoga business. And that includes retreats and that includes privates and it includes group classes and bringing in your other skills that you have right into your yoga teaching and complementing your yoga teaching with those skills. So if you're really good at, um, I have a client that's amazing. She's an amazing attorney. So bringing those two skills together, or if you're really good at like nutrition or you have a nutrition background, bringing those skills together, it's really important that that's part of understanding what you have to offer, right? What you have to offer and who you want to serve. And, um, I think that, for me, the main thing, the main advice I give, I give yoga teachers is don't put your eggs in one basket. Really try to look at what different offerings you can put out there so that you can complement all these things in your business and have this a more of a sustainable income, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're just trying to teach one, unless that is really paying you, and that can be the case for some teachers, I would say not for most, um, then you have to really look at what else can I do and how can I do this in a sustainable way, meaning sustainable also means not burning out, also not, you know, uh, being stressed out and overwhelmed because you have too many things out there. So it's, it's, it's about being mindful and very intentional when you're designing your business. So business by design rather than just, you know, putting things together and see if they and if they will go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, this is a good time to kind of segue into retreats because that's definitely a really, or can be a really, you know, financially lucrative way to have another income stream um, or another financially lucrative form of an income stream. And um, starting off with retreats, can you talk a little bit about pain points? You mentioned it, you know, a little earlier on as we've been talking, but what are some of the biggest pain points that teachers kind of experience around retreats? I think that there is a perceived pain point and the actual pain point. So the perceived pain point is marketing and pricing your retreat. Those are the two things that people come up to me for for help with. Mm-hmm. And um, just not knowing how to market, not knowing how to fill up the retreats, being afraid of like not being able to fill up the retreats and losing money. Um, there is a financial risk with the retreats. It's one of those offerings where you can get so much out of it, not only financially, but also it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding to lead a retreat, but there's a financial risk, right? You have to put on deposit. You really can, you're really bringing in different, you know, pieces of the puzzle in there. So the perceived um, pain point is marketing and pricing your retreat. And it's, it's a real pain point. I'm not, I'm not saying perceived, meaning it's not real, mm-hmm. but there's, there's an underlying um, issue with this. And I feel like it's not having clarity in your business that makes this a perceived pain point. So a lot of mindset stuff comes into this. And so the mindset of, um, for example, pricing your retreat, I think that's the underlying issue to, to not to not know how to price. It's because you're feeling confused about your own worth, how what skills you're bringing to the table in a retreat, uh, um, how um, your students will benefit from that retreat. What are they going to gain? What are they going to walk away with? So that clarity is really important. And that's the work we do in the retreat design map. And I also do this in my retreat coaching program as well. So just understanding what those things first before you start trying to put a price tag on your retreat. Mm-hmm. And the marketing aspect is really important as well. It's it's knowing how to communicate the value of your retreat in an authentic way, but also in a unique way, because there are a lot of retreats out there. And so again, we're going into just having to get really clear on how your retreat is, is benefiting other people or the, the your ideal students, right? And it's so funny because my um, my online teacher training and the way I teach is just the same the way I teach a business. It's just in miniature. So um, we go through all these different aspects of of how to set up your business, but in a miniature way, because I feel like planning a retreat is kind of like starting a small business um, and it gets easier as you go. So it's I always encourage people to not take it too hard the first time and not be too hard on, on themselves, but to like be open to the learning opportunities. So the pain points being marketing and pricing and budgeting, just the numbers of the retreat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think it's like, with anything, the first time you do it, it's going to feel really uncomfortable, like, you know, kind of channeling the first time you ever teach a yoga class, it's like, 
I don't, it just feels like super, super uncomfortable. Like it's finding your pacing, finding your balance between demonstrating, walking around the room, finding your wording for different things. Um, and that sort of thing, like everything you do for the first time is going to be uncomfortable and it gets easier the more and more you do it. So I think that's always an important thing to remember as you dive into something new. Absolutely. And I think it's really important. And if anything is to have a plan, not only a plan for your retreat, retreat in general, how are you going to put this out there? Like, what is your plan? It's kind of like a small business plan. Um, and I hope this doesn't sound too overwhelming because it's not. It can be as simple as one a one page plan. Right. But understanding, OK, here's what I'm going to do next. Here are my tasks. Here are the things that I need to figure out. Right. And then that goes hand in hand with a budget, which is your your financial plan. Like, how am I going to put this out there? Am I do I have the amount of money I need to actually put a deposit down to pay a deposit for a chef if I need to to pay for airfare if that's needed? Um, and if not, how am I going to pre-sell my retreat so I can cover those expenses? And so it's really important that you have that that pricing clear or that budget clarity so that you can, all you know, be able to actually put your retreat out because a lot of people dream maybe set up their vision the retreat vision which is what i call um the, that that part of retreat planning which is kind of having that plan for your retreat but then the budget part is missing and so the budget always needs to be done in the beginning understanding the main big expenses you'll get expenses as you go as well but it's just incorporating the big chunks like um you know just deposit for your accommodations the travel the, the food um marketing needs to be in that as well so those two things are really important as as like setting that that plan putting that plan together and setting your retreat in motion Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so you kind of talk about in the work that you do that there's five elements of creating a successful retreat. Can you dive into those a little bit for me? Yeah, sure. And I'll give you some points on them too. And if the listeners want to download, I actually have a free retreat ebook called The Five Key Elements of Successfully Planning Your Retreats. And it's a collaboration with We Travel, which is an amazing company that helps um, yoga teachers um, actually put their t- retreat online. They have a platform that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I actually yeah, have a so- podcast ep- uh, episode with Jen Corley from We Travel. Yeah. She's amazing. I love her. Yeah. So um, we took our time to put uh, this ebook together. It's really good. And it was a great collaboration and we love it. So hopefully if this is helpful to anyone, um, feel free to download it. It's, it's free. Yeah. I'll so, put a link um, for that in the show notes too. So it's easy to find. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so the five key elements, and I'll go over them rather quickly, but if you have any questions, just stop me along the way. So the first one is what, we, and we've been talking about this along, um, you know, along the way as we had our conversation, but the first one is to create a unique retreat theme. So um, in the unique retreat theme, what you want to do is think about these things that I was talking about before is your why. You want to start with your why. And so what's my why behind planning the retreat? What is it that I want to get out of it as a teacher? Um, And just being really clear on your why. And then on the other side, being really clear on who you want to start with your retreat. This is crucial to any retreat that will be successful because if you don't know who you're serving and if you think you're serving every single person out there you're gonna you're gonna have a, a really hard time filling your retreat so being it's for retreats specifically I think it's really important to be as niche as you can as um, hone in on who your ideal retreat clients are as, as best as you can because a retreat that's for example a retreat that's for uh new mom that just I don't had a baby six months ago and just needs to get away to get nurtured and pampered is going to be very different than a theme a unique retreat theme for uh, for a I know career woman that really needs to get away and have an adventure and has been working a lot and just needs to kind of move her body and get out in nature so there's different if you look at like how if you really want to hone in on your unique retreat theme it really goes back to knowing who your ideal client is and who you're wanting to serve So the first step is to create a unique retreat theme. And the second one is to craft a beautiful retreat experience. And this goes into understanding who you're wanting to serve, right? Understanding who they are, what they need, and understanding what they're going to walk away with. So in in your unique retreat experience, what you want to include is... um, Just what benefits are people going to walk away with? This is so important. Like knowing not only the details of your retreat, um, which is like, let's say a five night retreat in Mexico, but what are people going to walk away with? What are the benefits they will experience? What's the transformation you're promising them? Mm -hmm. And so, and also another thing that's really important when you are getting clear on your 
what I call your beautiful retreat experiences, um, how you, right, as a teacher, how you as a teacher will show up for your students. Um, and this is this is a portion of our um, online training that's really important. And it's it's a full module on how to hold space at a retreat because this is important. Um, it's not, there's there's a world of difference between hosting a class or a workshop and hosting a seven day retreat. It can be exhausting. There's so many factors to go into it. You have so much more responsibility for your students and it's also more rewarding, right? And so it's important that you know how you're going to show up and, um, and really understand that you're showing up as a leader more than a teacher because you're leading them through the entire experience. So those are the things you want to think about when it comes to crafting a beautiful retreat experience. And in the ebook, there's, there's a lot more about this and you can go into it a little bit more. And then the third one is to incorporate strategic marketing. So understanding your marketing and understanding how you're going to reach those people. So once you have, that's why number one is to create a unique retreat theme and be really clear on who you're serving mm -hmm. is because when you market and when you promote your retreat, you want to know how to reach those people and they're not all going to hang out in one spot. So just being really clear and creating that plan, that marketing plan for your retreat from the get go. So, um, for example, if you're wanting to, if you have an online tribe, let's say you have a an email list and just understanding how you're going to just crafting that plan. How am I going to launch my retreat? How am I going to invite them over to join? What are what am I going to put in my marketing? Like, what are the, the things that I want to address and how how am I going to communicate the benefits of my retreat to those people so that they feel like they're going to really benefit from it? And honing in on who you're serving, again, always so important when you create your marketing plan. I love um, to teach to to really do this since the, from the very beginning. So not waiting until, let's say, so I usually give people the time frame that I advise is to plan a retreat in about nine months, right? Mm -hmm. The three first months, especially if you're new, are all about planning and organizing your retreat. And the six months or is the time frame you really need to put a retreat out in market. If you have more time, that's even better. But it's six months, I think, at a minimum when it comes to marketing your retreat, especially if it's an overnight, more expensive retreat. So in those three first months, you're doing your organizing, you're you know getting clear on your why, on your unique retreat theme, on who you're serving, on putting together all the pieces of the puzzle, where you're going, and all these things. It's important that you set your set up your marketing plan then and not wait until you hit the six month period because you're going to go into it overwhelmed and not understanding what to do next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do that's, you, that's, do you suggest like setting up your entire sort of marketing plan for the whole, you know, six to nine months, like in terms of being like, okay, you know, I'm going to do a soft launch to like my inner circle. I'm going to, you know, create some hype around it, or I guess create hype soft launch mm -hmm. to your inner circle and then you know launch to your mailing list launch to the general public um and then have you know maybe your periods of promotions and then you know whatever comes yeah, after absolutely. that yeah absolutely yes so just like you mentioned the soft launch and all that i we actually teach that in in the retreat design map of, of, of launching your retreat in a different way and really we call it the vip strategy where you launch to your what you call the inner circle and the people that are really interested in it um another really good tip is to create a wait list for your retreat night this is something that really works and it's putting out a wait list um, which is just a simple page on your website uh, explaining some of the details and um, of your retreat, but you may not have all the details, so it doesn't matter. Um, and just having somewhere where people can sign up to learn more about your retreat once you have the details ready. And this is something that can really be a game changer for your retreat marketing, because once you have a group of people um, that that, you know, have said like openly, like, this is what I want to do. I want to learn more about your retreat. And they have signed up. They're ready to, you know, you have someone to launch your retreat to once you have all the details ready and, and the sign up page and all that stuff. So this is really important when it comes to that. And the marketing plan. Um, yes, absolutely. Having a plan before way before you're going into your six month of promotions and launching and all that stuff, because you get the bigger picture of like, okay, I have all these different strategies I can use. And that's kind of what we teach. Like we teach you different strategies and you can choose which ones you think will work for you and your students and your potential students. And you put that out throughout the months. And so, um, when you have that big picture, first of all, it takes away the overwhelm of marketing. You know what to do in March and April and May. You know you know what's coming. Um, and you can prepare yourself with not only with um, 
you know, creating the marketing material, let's say you're putting flyers out or you're doing a campaign on Facebook or Facebook ads, but you can actually um, um, know how much you're going to spend and have a budget for it, incorporate that budget into your general budget. And, and now you're incorporating that into your retreat price instead of just having to put that out of pocket, basically, and that would dig into your compensation. So having a marketing plan is crucial from the very beginning. Absolutely. Amazing. And then so that was step number four, right? Or the that was element? step number three. Step number three. So, okay. Yeah, step number four is to budget and price your retreat for success. I say for success, because you can budget and price your retreat, but it could be it could fall flat. So this is a huge one with the yoga teachers. Like I mentioned before, one of the perceived pain points are the pain points for yoga teachers. And honestly, for me in the beginning, just knowing how to price was so hard and, and, and it was a struggle. And so um, it comes down to budgeting. They go hand in hand, just knowing exactly what your expenses are, what your costs are. Mm-hmm. And knowing also, um, because at a retreat, what you do when you plan a retreat, you have to put down a deposit usually, and then you have to you have payments as you go. For example, if you're doing a retreat center, you will have a let's say a five hundred dollar deposit, and then two months later you'll have to pay, um, I don't know, another two thousand dollars, and so on and so on, depending on how many students, how many rooms you're booking, and all these things, right? So you have that financial responsibility with another business, right? You're paying them. It's so important that you know what's coming and how you're going to get the money in. So when you have that budget, you also look at your marketing plan and say, okay, in at the end of April, I have a big payment at $2,000. So I have to launch my retreat before that. And I have to get at least five people so that I can cover that expense, unless you want to pay that out of pocket, which you could. But this is the, the better way to do it. I think the more sustainable way to do it, where you're not digging into your own money. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you have that, going back to budgeting and pricing, when you have your budget ready and all your expenses ready, that's when you then look at, okay, what is my compensation going to be? Okay. And when you look at that, you want to look at um, not only your what you're bringing to the table, which is huge, right? Your value, what you bring into the table, but also you're taking time off work. Um, you're going to m- probably maybe miss out on some private yoga t- uh, students, right? So you're going to have to cancel those things for that week or, or um, you know, all these things. So you're going to, first of all, not be able to get paid from your other regular teaching jobs for that week, if that's a week-long retreat. It's a bit different if it's over, you know, over the weekend. So you've got to really be mindful of what it is that you are, quote-unquote, losing out on when you're going to the retreat. And then you want to look at your skills, like I said before, and just bringing in your value. And then I really recommend people, and this is huge, to price the retreat for a smaller amount of students than what they really want to fill the retreat with. I call this your minimum viable students. So let's say that they found a really cool spot that they're going to. They can room 20 people. Many teachers just go ahead and price a retreat for 20 people. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to have to sell 20 spots, which is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on where you're going, it can be really hard. The better way to do it is to price your retreat for eight, right? So the price will be a bit higher, of course. But when you sell out those eight spots, you have another 12 spots, and that's going to be mostly profit, right? And you also have a peace of mind when you hit the eight spots, which you could do in the initial, you know, inner circle launch. And after that, during the six months, you have, you know, you have time to really fill those other 12 spots and sell out your retreat. But even if you wouldn't sell out your retreat, you wouldn't lose money, you would still get comp- compensated for it, and you would feel good about it, which I think is the better strategy. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really important thing to bring up. And I also like how you talked about, you know, making sure that you're getting paid for your services, because I think that, you know, especially as somebody who's new running retreats, it might be easy to look at it and be like, okay, well, you know, if it costs them, it might cost students $1,000 to come and join for me to break even, like cover all of my expenses and marketing costs and, you know, the retreat itself in general. And that's, you know, a lot cheaper than maybe like 1500 per person, which allows you to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's always really important to remember all those other things and remember that you deserve to make money out of this as you're hosting it. Right. And it's about putting your it's mindset. It's about um, understanding that just like in any other profession, like a doctor or a nurse or I don't know, you know, anyone else that you any other industry, people 
when they work, they get paid, right? And so we can't, as teachers, always see ourselves as, as doing the free work because it really puts down the entire industry in our profession, in that profession. I'm not a yoga teacher, but it puts down the profession in, in general. So it's really important that you, you understand that getting paid is important. It's important for yourself financially, but also for the entire industry, right? So that other teachers can get paid a fair wage or a fair, you know, compensation for what they're putting out into the world and and the amount of effort that goes into planning a retreat. Um, it, it's really hard. It, it can be really hard if you don't have all your, you know, ducks in a row, but but you have to get compensated. And usually people perceive a retreat that it, it may be a little bit more expensive, like more valuable because they can see that, okay, obviously if this retreat's if this retreat costs $1,500, there must be a lot of good value into it, right? There, the place must be amazing. The teacher is probably really good. Like if you're going to make a retreat really inexpensive and this depends on your niche and obviously who you're serving if this is a more of a save up project then that's very different than this that's not really what i'm addressing i'm not addressing a regular retreat offering mm-hmm. um it's important that you um that you set the right price so that people can perceive it to be something that's of value as well yeah yeah definitely i love that and so what is the fifth element then so the fifth element is really like the, the bigger picture of retreats. We call this the build your long-term retreat vision. And so just some elements in, in this is to like really see retreats as a long-term plan. Like not only um, go into retreats as like, I'm just going to try this, you know, retreat once and see how it goes, which is great. Like you're exploring, but um, if you can go into it with more intention and understanding, okay, I really want to plan retreats. This is why, like you're clear on your why, this is who I want to serve. Okay, what is going to be my vision for the next year? Can I plan more than one retreat? Because you get better at retreats like with anything else, the more you plan them. So it's really important that you take that learning lesson that you learned at, at your first retreat and bring those into your second. And that's how you get better and better at planning retreats. And the more you plan mm-hmm. retreats, the more Um, obviously the more people see that you are a teacher that plans retreats and the more visibility you're getting. So giving up right away, I think for your first retreat will actually, you won't see the benefits of planning retreats long-term if you do that. So the bigger vision is to really understand how can my business, my yoga business benefit from planning retreats? How many do I want to incorporate? What type of retreats do I want to focus on? Do I want to do weekend local retreats, staycation retreats, or do I want to travel really far for like seven to 10 days or, you know, even longer than that? So what type of retreat is, is calling you and how can I incorporate these? And, you know, how far along do I need, like how much time do I need in between to plan them? And how am I going to, this is really important. How am I going to keep growing that retreat tribe so that in between retreats, I'm nurturing my my people, right? So that they're ready to sign up for the next retreat once I have those details ready. So just part of this is also understanding how you're growing a retreat tribe as you're going, as you're planning your retreats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a really important piece to this because, you know, I, I know a lot of yoga teachers who have been really successful with retreats and it's cool because they go back to the same places like every year around the same time. And I think that it works really well because, you know, sometimes you can't afford to do something in this year. But if you know that that teacher is like going back next year, then you have this opportunity to start saving and planning for it if you're really interested in what they offer, what they do or this particular retreat. And so I think that, you know, that's a really good strategy to look at. And I mean, I'm all about like sustainability and like creating (laughs) sustainability in the sense of like creating a long term vision, like being in it for the long haul and looking at like, you know, maybe it's not paying me right now or maybe it's not benefiting me right now but what am I building for my future type thing absolutely and it's just one of those things where um, you know you're investing in the beginning and you're seeing you're going to reap the benefits later on I think another really important part of the bigger picture vision of retreats is that um, if you going back to your students if you really want to benefit if you want to see the benefit your students will have from retreats it really comes from the community you're building at a retreat um, there's I have never seen anything build more community than planning a retreat and people going there and connecting in a much deeper way. And, and you know, they become long life, long time friends, right? Lifelong friends. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people really become there's a glue there that's very different from just attending a class with someone. And so you can build that really strong community from planning retreats. It could be a strategy just to build a really awesome, strong community of fans that love what you do and 
knowing that you're providing the best value you can by um, offering these retreats to them, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so I love this conversation. It's been so fun. Um, do you have anything else that you want to share about retreats before we, we wrap it up? Well, I guess it, it's it's just part of the bigger vision is to really embrace um, embrace the part the business part of yoga when you're planning your retreats and really look at it at strategically. And um, if you're feeling like okay, I want to plan a retreat, knowing okay, what are the next steps? And sitting down with a piece of pen and paper or on your computer and start mapping out these things that you need to think about to plan your retreat, and not being afraid of planning a retreat because I feel like you know it could seem overwhelming but at this at the end of the day it's such an amazing offering it allows you to travel the world it allows you to to bring your students with you your community with you enjoy it with them um it i don't think there's anything more amazing than yoga and travel combined i really truly believe so and so don't be afraid of doing it just get strategic just get organized with what you're doing to sit down and, and organize your thoughts and a retreat, a good retreat will come out of that when you're staying organized and strategic. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I totally agree. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so if somebody wants to, you know, learn more about what you do, maybe dive into one of your programs, or, you know, just reach out and ask a question about retreats, where can they go to find you? So you can go to rockyouryogaretreat.com, which is my website, my um, digital home, and you can find tons of free resources there. I have the ebook there as well and other blog posts that are helpful for retreat planners and business uh, yoga business um, tips and tricks as well. And I have a coaching program for um, retreats as well. So I, I help people one-on-one, you just one-on-one put together their retreats. I also have the retreat design map, which is our online training. You can find that on our website. And I also do yoga business mentorship. So an eight-week mentorship program. I also am launching a smaller mentorship program as well. But that's on at rockyouryogaretreat.com. And then obviously you can find me online. I have a Facebook community that I absolutely love with all, over two thousand people in it it's called travel teach and thrive so you can look that up in facebook and just join us there i would love to have yeah and it's an amazing group so i definitely recommend it there's lots of you know inspiration and if you're looking to lead a retreat it's got great information there but also if you want to attend a retreat i feel like that's like the (laughs) go-to place to find you know what other awesome yoga teachers are offering absolutely amazing thank you so much for your time today paloma this has been so fun Thank you so much, Amanda. And I love your podcast and what you're doing to really um, bring value to the yoga community and yoga teachers. Oh, well, thank you. All right. I hope that everyone enjoyed that episode of the podcast. Make sure you go join the Facebook community. Make sure you go download that ebook that Paloma mentioned. There are links to all of this at the show on the show notes. So head on over to mbomyoga.com. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can always reach out at info at mbomyoga.com. Make sure you join the private Facebook community at Yoga Business Badasses. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Mastering the Business of Yoga. And as always, thanks so much for listening and namaste.